0: Thank you for joining us for this community conversation on chemical dependency and recovery. I'm WRFA Public Affairs Director Julia Sisla Hanley. The opioid crisis in Chautauqua County goes beyond our geographic boundaries to all of the United States. According to State Comptroller Tom DiNapoli, drug overdose fatalities surged during the COVID 19 pandemic in New York State, with opioid related deaths increasing by 68% to nearly 5,000 individuals from 2019 to 2021. Overdose deaths statewide from opioids and all drugs totaled 5,841 in 2021, surpassing the previous 2017 peak by more than 1,700 fatalities. The New York State Attorney General's office joined other states in successfully suing pharmaceutical companies who distributed opioid-based medications. And we've, seen, we've also seen over uh, the decades changes in how treatments of substance use issues have been handled. We've brought together a panel of people to discuss all of these topics tonight. But first, I would like to thank those of you listening to the program on our airways on 107.9 FM, as well as those watching online. While we don't have an in-person audience at this event, those watching online are invited to submit questions for our panel using the comments section. If time allows, I will then ask those questions. We do ask that you keep your comments brief. Also, this program is being made possible through funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting's American Rescue Plan X Stabilization Grant Fund. So I'll start now with introducing you to our panel of guests tonight. I'll start to my very far right with Dr. Scott Cunningham, who is the medical director for Chautauqua County Department of Mental Hygiene. Next to him, is Emma Fabian, who is the Associate Vice President of Harm Reduction with Evergreen Health Services. And then to my immediate right, we have Steve Kilburn, who is the Grants Project Director for Chautauqua County Department of Mental Hygiene. So welcome, everyone, here tonight. Thank you. So we'll, we'll start with uh, Dr. Cunningham for our first question. And the first question that I'll be asking um, the whole panel is, how do you define addiction and how do you define recovery?
1: Hmm. Yeah, you know, that, That's a that's a great question. I think there's... Um depending upon who you ask. I think there's a lot of different various definitions, right, and, 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 and thoughts and, and uh, um, maybe stigma behind uh, the addiction. I know we're going to talk about stigma later. So um, it depends which resource you look at. I, I, I like to go with ASAM, the American Society of Addiction Medicine, and I printed out a couple things about how they define addiction. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to, if I can read this briefly, um, addiction is a primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry. Dysfunction in these circuits leads to characteristic biological, physiological, social, and spiritual manifestations. This is reflected in an individual pathologically pursuing reward and or relieved by substance use and or behaviors. Um, We can further uh, characterize addiction as the inability to consistently abstain, uh, impairment in behavioral control, craving, diminished recognition of significant problems with one's behaviors and uh, interpersonal relationships, and a dysfunctional emotional response. Like other chronic diseases, addiction often involves cycles of relapses and remission. Without treatment or engagement in recovery activities, addiction is progressive and can result in disability or premature death. So that is the long-winded um, uh, definition of, of uh, addiction.
0: But I would say a very official one. So. Uh,
1: it's it's official, and um, again, if you look at uh, other sources, um, um, they all they all hit on the chronic and, and the relapsing uh, um, aspect of addiction and impaired um, um, functioning, um, pretty much across the board.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, uh, same question. So, how I mean, do you define addiction or recovery any differently?
2: I don't know about differently. I like uh, the ASAM definition that Dr. C. just shared. I think it's very comprehensive. And I think it's just a good talking about what addiction is is a great way for us to start this conversation. Um, As someone whose background is uh, being a trained social worker uh, and someone who occasionally gets the opportunity to teach for future social workers going into the substance use field, I also would add that... um, we in the field use a manual we use resources and we look at we assess what's going on in someone's life and pick out some criteria match the behaviors the dependence what's going on with some in somebody's life with criteria most notably in the diagnostic and statistical manual the dsm five um and so What I really, I think, for me, I think about the DSM-5 criteria when I think about substance use disorder with alcohol use disorder and opioid use disorder, which is certainly uh, ravaging our county here in in Chautauqua County. Um, The physical dependence component to addiction is really prominent with opioid dependence and alcohol dependence. But overall, I would say in lay terms, addiction for me, what I see every day in the field is individuals continuing to engage in a risky behavior despite the negative consequences. And on the flip side, I think that recovery for folks looks different for each person, but I would say that recovery is Individuals beginning to get some control over the negative consequences, whether that is completely abstaining from substance use, therefore the negative consequences are um, not in their life anymore, or whether that's just getting a, uh, managing their use or using safer, and thus uh, minimizing those negative consequences.
0: Hmm. Moving to uh, Steve Kilburn, uh, Steve, how would you define addiction and recovery?
3: Well, certainly, you know, echoing what. Uh, both Emma and Dr. C. have said. Um, you know, it probably represents the fact that addiction, it, it, it's sort of like you feel like you know it when you see it, but then it's not easy to always describe in its entirety. There is kind of a rule, uh, not a rule of thumb, but maybe just a, a kind of shorthand uh, version that captures, I think, much of what they've both said um, around four C's. And uh, those C's have been mentioned, actually, Um let's uh, see if I can remember them all right now, <laughs> cravings,
1: um,
3: compulsion, uh, consequences, and control, or in the case of addiction, the inability uh, to control. So where those are present, the compulsion to use, the, the negative consequences, as have been pointed out, it's, it's, you know, addiction by definition uh, is a pattern of use that has uh, continues in spite of negative consequences, the cravings to use, the inability to control it. And uh, while those are the, sort of the four Cs that are sometimes used as a shorthand, I might add, uh, because I think it's important to add a fifth C, you probably add many, but change, and that is changes in the brain. Yeah. Um, the person with a chemical dependency isn't, you know, I guess maybe one C that we... Might add but wouldn't want to major on is choice. It's it's more than a choice. It's there are changes that have taken place in the in the brain Mm -hmm. So the compulsion the cravings, etc. Are are a very powerful experience for somebody with an addiction Um, And then so with recovery, I think much like Emma said, I would say that while you know, sort of addiction is to whatever degree those C's are present uh, recovery is the process of moving away from those realities. Um, uh, you know, maybe it's early in recovery and so those have just begun. Maybe it's well into recovery and there's a, a large uh, movement away from those things. But I think any movement away from those Cs is, is recovery.
0: Mm-hmm. Steve, I'm going to stay with you and, and ask what are you seeing with substance use in Chautauqua County? Mm-hmm.
3: Well, almost certainly we're seeing more of it, but I, you know, I want to be careful to keep within what we know to be the case. <clears throat> you know, measuring the the prevalence of chemical dependency of addiction or just substance use. And by the way, it is I think also important to acknowledge that the issues surrounding the use of chemicals don't all fall within the definition of addiction. Um, people die of of uh, say fentanyl overdose or poisoning, we might say, who don't have an addiction. So uh, chemical use is on a continuum, not all of which meets the criteria for for addiction. Whether or not there's more chemical dependency, I'll defer to uh, Emma and Dr. C's opinions there. I can definitively tell you that much like the facts that you quoted, um, Julia, at the beginning, um, we have seen a tragic increase in the overdose deaths here in the county, and that um, that had been trending upwards, but 2021 in particular, and sadly uh, by evidence thus far this year, uh, again we're seeing really the worst years that, that we've ever seen uh, in that.
0: Right. And- Moving on, Emma, I'm going to actually move to you first to ask you, since you uh, may have a better sense, too, for what is happening with substance use in Chautauqua County. And I'd been talking with our, our police chief here in Jamestown on Monday night because there had been a drug bust involving uh, 181 grams of fentanyl. And I said, how, how much of that, does, is that is fatal? And he says, very, very small amount. And he says, you'd be very surprised. And I think he, he provided me a chart. And, and the chart implied that it was like a 1,000 micrograms, which would be, I guess, equal to one gram it would be considered definitely fatal, and I don't know if that's if if, if, if that's what experiences what you've seen in the field. But um, but yeah, I mean, just what are you seeing other? I mean, other than fentanyl, or in general, other with substance abuse here in Chautauqua County.
2: I think it, you're right to point out the that fentanyl is really the driver of a lot of the extreme substance use and severe substance use disorder that we're seeing in Chautauqua County. I think like all of New York State overdose rates are rising in Chautauqua County I think it's worth noting across the United States and across New York State and across our county here, anxiety and depression, mental health and substance use, really those conditions have been extremely exacerbated by the the COVID-19 pandemic of the past couple years. Um, So our whole state is seeing rises in those mental health symptoms, as well as fatal overdose, unfortunately. A combination of this synthetic opioid known as fentanyl, becoming prevalent in our opioid supply, and now actually showing up in supplies of other substances too, yeah. stimulants like cocaine, stimulants like methamphetamine. That is why probably the the chief reason why we're here this evening talking about um, this crisis. I will say, I don't know whether chemical dependence is more prevalent than it ever was before, because I think people have always used drugs. People are probably always going to use some form of drug, but fentanyl is causing the chemical dependency to be more severe than I think probably ever before. And methamphetamine is is quite prevalent here in Chautauqua County. And so I think a couple of the things that make Chautauqua County unique as compared to the rest of the state are that prevalence of methamphetamine. Unfortunately, some of the methamphetamine is now deadly because there's fentanyl in it. Um, But also I think rural areas such as Chautauqua County or areas that are a little bit more rural, um, the stigma associated with living with a disorder, mental health or substance use, um, is increased or at least different in rural communities. And there's less access or at least less variety, access to a less variety of different types of treatment than might be available in other settings. So just, you know, the fatal overdoses are on the rise, but I think um, there's a number of reasons for that, and in, in COVID-19 has played a big role in it. Definitely. Um, Dr. Cunningham,
0: what's your experience in seeing what is happening with substance use in Chautauqua County?
1: Um, so I'm actively... Uh um, working in, in the field of uh, addiction um, addiction medicine uh, for Chautauqua county uh, uh, currently so um, as em and I were talking uh, uh, before the broadcast i uh, I am seeing patients routinely basis i have a full caseload and um, daily routinely um, you know we'll go over um, someone's urine tox you know, screen and and there is fentanyl in there and and uh, and to their surprise they had no idea that fentanyl was in Whatever, whatever drug they mm-hmm. were using, thought they were using, thought they were buying, um, thought they were getting from someone. Um, so, uh, uh, again, to reiterate, reiterate what, um, what what Emma was saying, um, um, I pretty much tell my my, my clients that um, you can pretty much count on fentanyl being in yes. everything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, so, uh, w- with that in mind, you know we we try and pass out. You know we have fentanyl test strips mm-hmm. um, that they can test their drug. Uh, to see if there is indeed fentanyl in there, um, those aren't 100% accurate by any means. So we don't want to we don't want to uh, cause a, uh, a false sense of security, thinking oh there's there's no fentanyl in my drug. I, I mean I'll let Emma um, talk more about what we call um, safe use or safer use or, or harm reduction practices. Mm-hmm. But um, the two biggest things I see on, on a daily basis, um, I, I number one is is you know how did fentanyl get in my system? Um, So we we, we trace back, we process. um, uh, And the other thing, again, is um, the prevalence in our community uh, today of methamphetamine. Um, It is just, um, um, you know, they call it the devil's drug for a reason. It is just destroying lives. Um, It's it's really um, uh, uh, just a really, really uh, bad uh, drug and, and can take people down a very, very dark path in a very short amount of time. Um, so um, th- those are the two big things I see.
3: Could, could I echo uh, something Dr. Cunningham said first that uh, fentanyl is virtually ubiquitous in the drug supply, not a hundred percent, but you know, one of the messages that we do try to um, get into the community is the assumption should be that you know whether you're using what you think may be heroin or methamphetamine or cocaine. Uh, the assumption should be there's probably fentanyl in it. That's how prevalent it has become. And further to that point is Dr. Cunningham was relating, you know, with patients who don't even realize uh, that they would have gotten fentanyl, at least from the standpoint of toxicologies that we see of deaths. And I don't know, uh, Dr. Cunningham, if you see something otherwise in your patients, but heroin itself, heroin proper, has virtually disappeared.
1: Yeah, I am actually... um if I see someone test for heroin uh, and and the breakdown metabolites of heroin, I'm actually surprised. Yes, it's very um, very rare. Patients now. will tell me, I you know I bought heroin, I'm, I'm using heroin, and I'll uh, you know we have the instant the instant drug tests uh, we use um, the instant urine toxicology tests we use and and we have a fentanyl dip strip and I'll show them. I said, well there's there's no heroin in your system, but yeah. there is fentanyl in your system, and 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 and, and their eyes. You know their eyes light up because everybody knows. Everybody knows what what fentanyl is synonymous with. Fentanyl is synonymous with with risk of overdose and death. Yes. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, I am uh, when when I first uh, started here five years ago, it was it was all heroin. Yeah. Um, you know, very rarely did you see fentanyl on on, on the scene. Um, you, you know, but now um, it, is, it is tire it is entirely shifted. That's why you're you're, you're seeing these um, narcotic uh, busts with you know. So much fentanyl, it kill thousands of people, um, so yeah, so just that i'm not trying to keep written the same sure. same point here, but i 'm actually surprised if, if somebody does test positive for heroin mm-hmm.
0: yeah. and it, that's it, pretty shocking i mean the the here because i I, you know, we, I think this is the first time i've heard that this really i probably heard is prevalent. But didn't realize it was so prevalent that it's just like out, you know, out. Uh, and,
1: and, and and again, people, um, the people who are um, the dealers or the sellers or the pushers, whatever term you want to use, um, you know, they're telling they're telling the buyer hey, this is heroin. Uh, it's not. So so again, to reiterate, you know, what you think you're getting and what you're actually getting, mm-hmm. uh, two completely different substances.
3: Yeah. A- Emma mentioned earlier rightly that fentanyl is synthetic. Yes. And that's a, in contrast to. Heroin, which is based on the poppy plant, mm-hmm. um, and then am also mentioned about methamphetamine. So these are the two, in some ways, the most damaging drugs. It, to be completely accurate, alcohol and nicotine remain the deadliest addictions. But, but to be sure, you know the crisis is driven by uh, fentanyl and methamphetamine today. But the point I just wanted to pause and make is that these are both synthetic. They are neither of them dependent on agricultural products. They and that's significant because that complicates the supply chain when a poppy plant or a cocoa plant, um, cocaine, is involved. So now these chemicals are being produced in quantities that are just staggering. They're built or they're 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 um, they're made out of legitimate industrial chemicals so those chemicals can be purchased on the market um, and then with pretty in some cases sloppy you know lab science and that's part of the problem there's no quality control uh, the product of fentanyl, or in other cases, methamphetamine, you know, can be produced. But there's no season to that. There's no long supply chains coming from halfway around the world anymore. And that's the reality that we're facing now. I doubt we'll see heroin again um, because it's too complicated. It's a market that has been supplanted by a much more efficient product, sadly.
0: So, thinking about you know the types of drugs that are out there and what they can do is, I, Emma, I want to go to you because when we're talking about addiction, um, we've learned that you know there there's not a single way to help people who are having substance use issues, and so what what are some of the things that are available or are some that have been found to work um, for those who use and maybe want help decreasing or you know fully stopping their use of
2: substances? Yeah, I'm. I'm uh... I am relieved that we're having such a transparent conversation here about how the nature, I think, of using illicit drugs uh, in our communities has changed maybe forever with uh, the prevalence of fentanyl in uh, different drug supplies. Um, the risk is severe, and, uh, you know, with fentanyl being so prevalent, and it makes an approach known as harm reduction. Um, more relevant than ever before. Harm reduction is basically a public health approach that's all about um, recognizing that there are a variety of biological, psychological, and social reasons why people use drugs um, and seeking to assess the reasons why people are using and meet them where they're at and reduce the consequences associated with, with use. When we went through all of our different definitions of harm reduction, or excuse me, addiction, one thing that was clear to me is that we're now in our society and in our healthcare system at a point where we understand that people can't just stop using. The physical dependence associated with fentanyl use is so severe that we can't just expect people to be able to stop using. So we've got to broaden the scope of what we consider healthcare services for people who use drugs. Um, in my role at Evergreen Health since 2015, I have been really happy to see our harm reduction programs expand, including uh, here in Jamestown, we opened our syringe exchange program in 2015. Uh, which, with a lot of public support, actually, a lot of folks say, oh, you know, in rural areas, it's going to be really hard in places outside of city centers to operate something as controversial as harm reduction services. But we've been incredibly successful here in Chautauqua County at getting um, sterile equipment into the hands of people who use drugs so that we can minimize HIV and hepatitis C. Um, but also getting hundreds, thousands every year of doses of Narcan into the hands of people who use drugs and their loved ones. And now we're beginning to transition people from the syringe exchange setting, so active substance users, right into buprenorphine treatment. Um, And so right now, um, what's kind of different about us here in 2022 versus New York State and Chautauqua County and 2010 or 2015, is that we're starting to really build a whole continuum of services in communities. And I think despite the tragic loss we're seeing, we're actually headed hopefully in a hopeful direction because we are investing in harm reduction services. We're investing in medication-assisted treatment. We're recognizing that we've got to have more ways for people to access treatment. Um, And so I think, you know, if there's any little silver lining to, to... be had from this evening's, this evening's conversation. It's that, fortunately, we're headed in a good direction when it comes to having appropriate types of care to meet people's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr, Dr.
0: Cunningham, you, you have you know, patients that you see, as well as you've, as you've mentioned. And so you know, when it comes to um, helping those with substance use issues, what are some of the things or maybe tools that you are able to provide or, or different things that you've been able to do
1: for folks? Well, again, to talk more, uh, you know, to, uh, again, uh, give kudos to Emma and and the harm reduction. Um, I mean, if someone comes, if someone is actively using uh, um, and and they come to a a harm reduction facility, Evergreen, for needle exchange, that may be their first um, encounter or contact with someone who who can also offer more help, more services. That might be their first contact with, with treatment options. Maybe they didn't know what treatment options are available. Uh, in, 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 and again, a non-stigmatized fashion. Um, so, um, so I mean that that that, that is great. I, we um, uh, every patient uh, or every client I talk to, I always uh, talk about other resources in, in, in the area, like Mental Health Association, Evergreen. Um, what's nice about our community is is we are small, we are rural, but um, you know I can pick up the phone and, and talk to any other providers at any other facility, any time. So we all in this community work collaboratively we all work together um, because we, we realize what we're facing here in the community um, with that being said uh, uh, being the director for the chemical dependency program at Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene which is you know right across the street here um, City Hall um, you know we offer medication medication therapy as Emma touched on already uh, buprenorphine you know the catchphrase is suboxone uh, right which can take away um, you know someone's urges uh, someone's cravings to use opioids um, and it's a really uh it's a really really amazing medication and um you know what i really enjoy about this this field of work is i can see someone get better i'm not treating a, a number like a blood pressure i'm not treating a cholesterol like a number i'm not treating a sugar like like a number i'm actually treating a person Good. you know the first time they come in uh, they may be look pretty look kind of rough have having a hard time with things right but um you know after we get them, we get them feeling better and, and we offer other, uh, other uh, services, you know, counseling. Um, um, we have uh, all kinds of uh, social services we offer as well, uh, and, and get them on their feet and, uh, and get them feeling better. If, if we can just get them over that, the withdrawal and the sickness, and then they can start to focus on, on other things in their life. Um, So it's it's really uh, it's a great opportunity, but but we offer um, uh, uh, suboxone. Again, is 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 the main one. We also do the uh, sublocade shot, which I'm not sure uh, um, um, a lot of people are familiar with. It's the injectable form of uh, of of suboxone. Wonderful medication, another nice option. Um, uh, We also offer treatment for. um, uh, people with uh, alcohol use disorder, uh, mainly uh, naltrexone or, or the Vivitrol injection, which we also use for opioid disorder as well. Um, so we have both an, a, a, an opioid uh, option and a non-opioid option, um, just depending on which way we want to go.
0: Hmm. Uh, Steve you, uh, in terms of what you know of um, for you know what's available to help those mm-hmm. with substance use issues?
3: Well, it's really my privilege in my role uh, at the county government overseeing some grants to work with... Partners across the county, including Evergreen Health, a uh, very strong and uh, crucial uh, partner, uh, the county's outpatient clinics, as well as, uh, I won't name all of them right now I mean, for fear I might uh, forget somebody, but uh, really, literally every principal agency that's on the field addressing addiction is, as Dr. Cunningham has said, working shoulder to shoulder, very collaboratively. We meet routinely to uh, to strategize, to uh, coordinate um, our efforts, the the result is that for a rural county, um, and I would want to make this very clear, and I hope that there isn't any misunderstanding about this uh, in the county. For a rural county, we have um, a whole gamut uh, spectrum, if you will, of services uh, that can address. Addiction, beginning with as uh, Emma has said, you know harm reduction. Somebody might really not be convinced that they can or even want to at this point seek abstinence, but they can still find services and help. Um, for example, from Evergreen Health, for those who want to get into full treatment, maybe do need medication, as Dr. Cunningham has said. We have the county clinic, but there's other clinics as well. There are phone opportunities to literally get started without even leaving home on the virtual, you know, a a call. We have recovery supports, peers in the county. We now, as of earlier this year, have methadone available in the northern part of the county. So, and there's all kinds of other supports, et cetera, available so many in fact it can almost be a little bit confusing how to navigate you know where do i begin where do i go you, you know you told me about all these things but but you know what can i practically actually do so i like to continue to repeat what i hope folks that are uh, listening or watching have seen billboards etc for combataddictionchq.com com, combat and and the reason i keep pointing that out, and we want to make that uh, public awareness, is because there is located, um, among other information, a searchable database, essentially, where folks can say, okay, look, I want to know, how, how would I, w- where would I go if I you know, wanted harm reduction services? You, you mentioned a phone virtual service. How would I do that? It's all available to be that information at combataddictionchq.com
0: that Thank you for sharing that resource. Uh, I guess maybe I don't know if I want to call this like a wish list, but if is, is there a method or a tool that's currently not available in the county that you wish you had access to? I mean, Dr. Cunningham.
1: Hmm. I mean, I think we have a pretty good. Uh, I think we have a pretty good um, offering of, of different services across all all gamuts of of, uh, of what we really need to to use here. Um, uh, I just I know we're going again. I, I keep. I keep going back to stigma, but I mean, if we could somehow break break down the walls of stigma, I mean, it seems like uh, the stigma of you know COVID has brought a lot of uh, uh, mental health issues to the forefront and, uh, and mental health discussions. And um, you know, you know, people need to realize that is a that's a chronic, relapsing medical condition as well. Uh, just like just like use disorders or addiction, it, 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 it's it's a, it's a chronic medical condition. So if we can break down that barrier and break down that wall. Um, I I think that's still the biggest thing that that we face every day and and, and my my clients and and I'm sure that everyone else here can attest to Their clients face as well
0: Mm -hmm. Is there anything that you would wish that you had at your disposal in terms of a method or a tool?
2: I think that uh, Just making treatment more available and investing more in treatment as we've been over the past couple years in New York State and Chautauqua County um, Is necessary and, and we've got to kind of keep our put on the gas. Mm -hmm. I think making Narcan um, even more available almost everywhere. The past week or so, I've been hearing more about Narcan vending machines than ever Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of outside-of-the-box novel approach, I think, to normalizing um, a disease that is treatable, quite frankly. Um, And then there are some even more innovative interventions that research and evidence is starting to come out about. Although they've existed in other countries um, for decades, the first two overdose prevention centers in the United States just um, almost exactly one year to the day opened in New York City and have reversed with oxygen and very small doses of Narcan, hundreds and hundreds of overdoses. And that's a real kind of harm reduction, real meet people where they're at type of initiative, where in New York City, uh, there are a couple centers where folks can bring in pre-obtained substances and consume them under supervision. And those have been around in other countries for a while, but the first have popped up in in the United States. So I think it's going to take a whole comprehensive public health approach, all kinds of different interventions. And like I mentioned, I, I think and I hope that we're headed in the right direction. Steve, um, do you, is there anything that you wish you had? At your...
3: uh, well, one thing—I <laughs> sound like a broken record—but I'm glad that Emma mentioned uh, naloxone or Narcan, as it's often uh, heard. Um, that's available at no cost. People can get their hands on a kit to have available. And if you know somebody who's even on prescribed opioids and certainly, you, you know, using um, illicit opioids, that that medication is, as she said, saving hundreds of lives in the county. Um, combataddictionchq.com is where you can find out where to get that. Um, but to your question, you know, as Dr. C said, we have really a, a tremendous scope of services available in the county and, um, and really committed uh, staff at all of them. I would say there are two things that, as most communities are facing, that, that we're challenged with. Um, one is staffing. Workforce is a very significant challenge, Um, and that's not unique to our county, but if anybody's listening who, you know, a young person that's interested in the field, um, I assume my colleagues here would confirm, uh, it's a fascinating, like there's nothing that you don't touch upon when you touch upon addiction. You Touch upon biology, sociology, politics, you know the human experience, so I'm um, always encouraging you know young people to consider uh, the field because in, and they won 't be unemployed either because the demand is so high. The other thing that is really hard um, for again a lot of communities is sober housing, and um, we recognize that while treatment options are 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 many. Housing and safe, uh, sober housing is something that, for many people, is a real barrier to their recovery.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say because you're talking about you know some difficulties, and my next question was, what are common barriers do people face mm-hmm. you know in seeking treatment? You know, there's a lot of options in Chautauqua County, a variety of options, but uh, we are a rural county, and I imagine mm-hmm. that there's there's that brings with it some barriers.
3: Well, the obvious, of course, transportation, you know, we're, we're spread out, and um, I, but there are still options. I, you know, all of the barriers that are very real, and I wouldn't want to minimize them for a second, I just would not want anybody to feel we're insurmountable. Um, if they were to reach out for help, we'll, we'll figure something out if if they're looking for, for help. But to be sure, a rural community has, um, you know, the barriers of travel and uh, transportation um, uh, and Dr. C has rightly mentioned stigma too. It's probably the internal barriers are almost probably the, the most challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, going to Dr. Dr. Cunningham. Yeah, I was thinking when I, as soon as I, you know, asked this question, I was like, I said, well, stigma. And you mentioned stigma before. Are there besides that, or if you want to elaborate on it, what are some of the other um, common barriers for seeking treatment?
1: I, th- I think uh, the biggest barrier uh, is patients just don't know, or clients just don't know what to expect. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think I think they've all heard um, you know stories from um, others uh, that, that they're acquaintances with, uh, family, friends, other programs. Um, uh, I think they've maybe heard some uh, misinformation, some mistruths. Um, uh, if, if if I test positive, they're going to kick me out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really. Um, it's really all about trying to meet people where they're at um, in, in the recovery and, and, uh, and, and sitting down and, and uh, you know, seeing what they want to get out of, out of a treatment program or out of treatment in general. Um, uh, are, are, are their goals to, um, you know, are their goals, uh, to, uh, you know uh, lower the amount and, and frequency of their drug use? Um, uh, are their goals complete abstinence? Um, uh, some people come in and uh, just want to kind of see what the program is all about. Um I always encourage uh my clients they can bring their families with them they can bring their friends with them to see exactly that that, that our program is indeed um uh, treatment um you know it isn't just uh, uh get a prescription and you're good to go um that that really for some people some people feel it is treatment and, and again that, that's 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 a, a conversation we have with people on an individual basis but but um Uh, You know, we really have to address all the the psychosocial um, um, aspects of their life uh, and and try and help them. Um, uh, uh, I mean, I I can give them a prescription all I want, but um, if they have nowhere to sleep that night, if if they have no money in their pocket for their next meal, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not really helping that person by just giving them a prescription and sending them out the door. So um, we really have to look at the whole picture and and, and see how we can help them in, in all aspects of their life.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, i really when thinking about it, that it's it's a holistic thing, because you're dealing with a whole person yes. and everything that comes with that, so yeah.
2: Yep.
0: um Emma, I mean, do you have anything to share in terms of uh, what barriers you've seen for people seeking treatment?
2: Lack of stable housing and um, communities across New York State, really not just Chautauqua County, even, but especially, you know, the regions of Western New York are really struggling with having decent, affordable housing for folks. and that's, yeah the, you know, probably the most often barrier that I hear people name um, in our treatment settings in Buffalo and here in Jamestown and in some of the counties in between. Um, I think it's not really shocking to me that a lot of folks in our communities don't know what to expect out of treatment because our country, and I, I mean this, as someone who is both social worker during the day, but I also have the opportunity to teach future social workers, I know from the literature that our country hasn't always approached substance use in the type of holistic way that we're able to talk about this evening. The moral model, a.k.a. thinking of people who use drugs or are struggling with mental health, like they're a moral failure, Um, was alive and well in our country for decades if not centuries and there are still remnants of it and I think that has an impact and I think also the punitive model so this idea that if people use drugs or they're struggling with mental health then they've got to kind of be locked away or isolated from the rest of society there are still remnants um, across all of our systems so it's really not shocking that some folks don't know what to expect when it comes to getting treatment for substance use disorder so I think just a kind of, you know, an overarching barrier that I see in folks all the time is that they don't know what the existing treatment looks like, but we also, um, they're not ready or they don't have resources to commit to the types of traditional treatments that are available. We're really just in the past seven or so years here in New York State. Um, embracing harm reduction, embracing the whole continuum of stigma free, non judgmental care. So, for a long time, people haven't been able to or not ready to take part in the counseling and occasional medication that was available. Um, when it comes to, I was really moved by hearing you say that it sounds like we're talking about treating the whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and it reminds me, I was driving into our, the parking lot of our Jamestown syringe exchange today, and I saw that one of our, uh, amazing, extremely committed team members, that really is the magic that makes harm reduction work, you gotta have trust and rapport, and you gotta genuinely love people who use drugs, that's really what makes harm reduction work, and I, Obviously, I can talk about that all night, but I'm not going to. But one of our amazing team members had taken a sandwich board that was kind of like advertising something outside the building and drew, just with a single marker, a set of stairs, Um, which for those listening on the radio, my little hand gesture is not going to mean anything (laughs) for you tonight. But just picture a single marker, a single line, and a set of stairs. And he wrote something along the lines of, change begins with one step. Mm. And I just thought you know i'm not someone who identifies as someone who's challenged by substance use disorder personally myself but i do know times in my life when i've had to make a change or when i've been struggling i wish somebody had a darn sandwich board that said one step at a time emma just remember one step at a time um and that really just kind of thinking about people who use drugs as human beings that's part of the answer to this whole puzzle, this whole crisis that we're in. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I, of course, concur, and would encourage anybody who maybe, you know, in all candor, has had a bad experience with treatment for whatever reason. Um, it, it's 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 kind of a new day, and I would want them to reach out in any event um, and not let any past experience or the experience of a story that they might have heard from somebody be a barrier for them to, to reach out. I think they might be very pleasantly surprised to discover that the approach is, as we've heard, very holistic, very much acknowledging that um, this is a complex issue, and, uh, and, and, you know, we're all complex, and we can, we can work with that and start where a person's at. Um, if I could, there's one other, you know, rightly acknowledged that when we think about addiction, I think, in, thankfully, increasingly, we think about treating a person in the full scope of what that that includes. But even more, I would also want to say, and, and it's an area that we probably could use even more growth, although there are resources but I would want to say very clearly that we recognize that addiction does not only affect the person who is chemically dependent but those who are close to them and many many of our in our case county residents are um, you know face that uh, the fear the all the struggles that accompany you know a loved one who 's chemically addicted again, I would encourage them to reach out, even our own treatment clinics can offer them support, help, um, and approaches to to keep themselves well as well as be helpful to their loved one so in this conversation about those about addiction and, and those who have a chemical dependency, I want to assure our our county residents we 're very mindful of the fact that it 's also Uh, a phenomenon that affects whole families. Mm
0: -hmm. That's true, very true. Um, I I have a feeling that this this question is going to be for Steve, but obviously Emma and and, and Dr. Cunningham are welcome to answer this. But one of the questions I have is that, I've talked to our county executive about this as well, is that there has been funding that has come into the county from various agencies to deal with substance use uh, issues and um, you know, and has has your agency received any of these funds? And how are you using it? And mm-hmm. Emma, maybe you will be able to answer that. But I'll, I'll start with, I guess, Steve. Like, what what has the county received, mm-hmm. uh, and and how has that been distributed mm-hmm. out?
3: So I personally, uh, with others, but oversee a couple of those federal grants that you know, competitive grants that we have applied for and been awarded. Um, and as I described earlier, these partnerships, where we gather with other providers—prevention, treatment, recovery, harm reduction providers—with a whole scope of services, um, this funding is helping to, uh, to, well, to fund uh, initiatives, strategic plans that we together uh, develop to fill gaps in the county that we uh, still acknowledge, or to to expand some of what we're already doing. One of the things that we're involved in is what's called the Healing Communities Study, one of the largest federal uh, initiatives to address opioid overdose deaths. And our county's one of 16 in New York State, um, working very closely with Columbia University and the National Institute of Drug Abuse. To um, to develop and, and expand strategies that we are aiming to significantly reduce the numbers of opioid overdose deaths. Um, just briefly, I can also speak to the fact that we have other uh, funding that, again, federal funding that the sheriff uh, took the initiative in, and we partnered with him um, to, to to leverage, if you will, the, the the criminal justice system as a force for help to move people towards treatment and, um, and growth. So there's initiatives underway within uh, the county jail, but also uh, outside of that to, to address uh, the response to addiction, not only in a criminal justice sort of framework, but to use those, if I could call them opportunities, to, instead of maybe directing somebody into the criminal justice system, to divert them into treatment, etc. So we have a lot of these programs happening right here in the county, and um, a lot of people working really hard on them.
0: Emma, with uh, Evergreen, uh, um, have has Evergreen seen any influx of grant funding coming in uh, from either through the county or, you know, from opioid settlement monies or from other sources that
2: you've been able to use to to combat the issue? I think we'll see. I hope that organizations like Evergreen Health will see more in the future. The past couple years, there have just been some pieces of enhancements. I think in the past couple years, we've been able to benefit from some SAMHSA dollars to expand medication-assisted treatment. Uh, and we, we actually did that by expanding into Chautauqua County previous to the past couple years. We only really did medication-assisted treatment, uh, namely Suboxone and Sublocade, out of Erie County. And right now, um, really seeing a lot of success here in Chautauqua County with it. Other than that, we tend to have our harm reduction services funded by the New York State Department of Health. And my hope is that with the increasing stewardship funds, opioid settlement funds, just increasing increasing attention on the overdose crisis, that harm reduction is something that... Uh, is invested in more, in and, and therefore we'd, we'd be we'd be applying, um, or you know looking to partner with folks and expanding harm reduction initiatives because just just very needed um, as we're talking about today. I just also you know I I applaud the sheriff here in Chautauqua County for really thinking seriously about how to use those funds to provide um medication for individuals who end up incarcerated you know a bit i i wish that it weren't the case that people who are struggling with mental health and struggling with substance use end up in our criminal justice system but while they're there you know it's hopeful that areas like chautauqua county are going to introduce or talk about medication if folks end up incarcerated and um folk people who know me well know I've never said I applaud a sheriff before so the, to, the, there's a first time for everything but that's <laughs> awesome that that um, You're on the record that yeah, no. <laughs> but he's been talking The the Chautauqua County's been talking about that for years um, And so I'm glad that there was there's funding and a program yes. and they were able to um, To to capitalize on some of the funding coming for
1: substance use treatment in the state mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Dr. Cunningham do you have anything to add to that Your that maybe ways you've benefited or seen within your department?
1: No, we've been working with uh, with uh, Steve, you know We have some we have some small group discussions going mm-hmm. on right now on, on um um how we can uh, do a better job um, internally, externally, uh, what uh, other services uh, we may uh, need, um, but I Steve, uh, you know Steve, I'm so glad um, Steve's here tonight. Um, I, I think you can do a, an hour long talk just with him, <laughs> and I think you'd also do just an hour long talk just with emma so i'm really uh, I'm really happy to be included tonight, but um, I, I don't have much more to add to everything mm-hmm. we've talked about
0: mm-hmm. um, before if uh, I have a couple you know questions that maybe we can get to but um from the audience but Steve touched on this but Dr. Harkonia maybe you can also go into it a little bit you know we talked about the fact that you know addiction affects more than just a person uh, it, it affects the people around them too so for families for friends for coworkers who are navigating those relationships with people who are having chemical dependency issues what are the resources available I mean, we talked a lot about the resources available for a person with the addiction but mm-hmm. what about those outside of them that are, are trying to help them or just
1: navigate. You know, we actually have um, we have uh, some specialized uh, counseling services uh, at the county. Um, specialized models that uh, actually are geared towards treating the family uh, members, close contacts, uh, and friends to help them uh, get a better understanding uh, of uh, of uh, use disorders, um, how they can uh, actually uh, help the loved one uh, versus. Um, uh, not help their loved one um, uh, um, and it's actually called um, one of the models we use is called the craft model um, which I see everybody else shaking their head up here um, and, and we actually uh, you know families that because uh, a lot of times um, you hit the nail on the head families come in and they're just they just don't know where to turn they don't know what to do they feel hopeless they feel helpless uh, so it's really nice to have um, um, uh, treatment that's also available to them Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it really does make make a huge world of difference.
0: Can you explain yeah. what the at the four of us have, are familiar? But I don't know that if I'm if I'm listening to the program outside here that I would know what is the craft
1: model? Yeah, I think I'll let uh, let Emma and Steve uh, take that over. Yeah. Okay Well, then
0: I guess we yeah. will we'll go to Emma yeah. and if you, if you maybe if you can elaborate that and maybe also explain
2: it, You know what resources maybe even Evergreen has that yeah, can sure. help families. Yeah, sure. I'm um, unfortunately I know a lot of organizations that practice out of the craft model. And there was a phenomenal trainer who was recently visiting Western New York to try to scale up the number of organizations that are versed in the craft model. Um, I'm not myself trained. I just know that that is something that people speak very highly of. And one of the reasons why I was nodding when Dr. C was talking was because I've really come to see how addiction can impact the whole family system. And I don't mean that in a judgmental way at all. I just mean that I, I hope that family members and loved ones acknowledge that um, it's okay to take care of themselves. Um, And I think counseling um, can benefit almost anybody, but I would really encourage folks who have a loved one that are really struggling with substance use disorder um, to reach out and get some help of their own. A lot of facilities that have an OASIS license, so Office of Addiction Supports and Services licenses, are also required to be able to offer um, counseling or group opportunities to impacted family members. So that's a good thing to know is that, you know, where there is treatment for substance use, you can likely find treatment for family and friends. Um, Naranon and Al- Alanon are still very popular self help groups in communities. I know Chautauqua County has Naranon and Alanon groups. Those are based on the same principles of Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, except they are self help groups for individuals who have loved ones that are struggling with, with substance use. So those are just a couple things I think I, we really want folks to know that help is available, um, whether you're directly impacted with substance use. Since you, or you have a loved one, so I think you have to take care of yourself. We often hear this term: you can't pour from an empty cup. You yeah. have to make sure that you are replenishing your cup, um, directing your loved ones to treatment. Um, you know, just normalizing the fact that folks. Um, that we have people experiencing anxiety, depression, and, and substance use, so we can normalize conversations about getting into treatment. There are a variety of different types of treatment available, regardless of where you're at with your substance use. Um, and so, directing loved ones to treatment is important. And we want to see f- we want to see family members exercise boundaries, but not necessarily turning away, uh, especially as the holidays get closer. This is a difficult time. F- if you have a loved one struggling that could be a difficult time for you for a number of reasons and we really just want to encourage folks to lean in and check on your loved ones as opposed to turning away because of past experiences or because of how difficult it can be mm-hmm.
0: that, and yeah i thinking about the holidays coming up we i mean in, in the news business we say you know there's perennial stories and one of the stories that we always hear is that the holidays are so difficult and mm-hmm. so yeah that's Good to that's. I think that's important to hear. Uh, you know, we shouldn't turn away from those are having who are having difficulties. So um, maybe maybe third time's a charm. Steve, can you explain craft?
3: Um, you know, I I'm, it's embarrassing to say that I'm, I'm. If I try, it's an acronym, mm-hmm. and yes. so if I try to name it and I get it wrong, uh, no judgment here. But community reinforcement and family treatment. Does that sound? It, it, it adds up to craft, but uh, well, so we'll go with that for now. But uh, as you know, Emma was saying, the the general principles of it are to, at the same time, learn ways where a loved one can take care of their own needs and the needs of the rest of their family, while not um, pushing away their loved one that's struggling with an addiction. So with support and help, learning how to both be well themselves and to interact with their loved one in a manner which actually improves the likelihood that he or she will ultimately seek treatment. Look, nobody comes into life prepared to know how to handle the complexities of of addiction. Um, So family members feel understandably absolutely overwhelmed uh, at times, Um, because, again, who's prepared for that? And yet, at the same time, we know that – I could make an argument to say that most people in our county are – and literally, like, maybe far more than 50 percent – are very close to somebody with a chemical dependency. Just statistically, I could, you know, make that case. So the point being is that the issue is so prevalent on the one hand, and yet so sort of isolating and and overwhelming at the same time. So again, the message we want to give to family members is there are ways that you can look after yourself and the rest of your family while also helping the person that you care about who has an addiction. But um, and there's lots of people in that situation. Reach out for help. And, again, broken record here, but if you're wondering well, where, combataddictionchq.com will at least direct you to the, the clinics that you could find that help in.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, also, I, I just want to go back through, okay. and uh, Emma and, and then Dr. Cunningham, you both can mention, how can people reach your agencies uh, if they're looking for either more information or for assistance? Sorry about that,
2: evergreenhs.org our website would be the best way Um, we really pride ourselves on being welcoming and non-judgmental you can walk in uh, to our harm reduction centers in jamestown or Buffalo, or our mobile unit, uh, and you can find the locations for the mobile unit online. This is not the type of service that you need an appointment for. This is the type of place where you're gonna be met with a smile. We're gonna remember your name every time you come in. We're gonna remember how you take your coffee. And so being approachable and, and non-judgmental is a really big deal for us. And so that's just something to remember about about our harm reduction services.
0: Mm-hmm. And Dr. Cunningham, how can uh, folks access uh, Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene?
1: Um, again, they can go to the website that, that Steve was talking about, Combat Addiction CHQ, um, our Jamestown office, uh, Chautauqua County Mental Hygiene, is on the fifth floor of City Hall. Again, right down the street. They can actually just walk in at any time if if they uh, would like to talk to somebody, see what services we offer. Um, They can call uh, 661-8330. Um, they can find us on a website. We also have a Facebook page. Um, we also have a secondary uh, a location in, uh, in Dunkirk. That's uh, 6062 Franklin Avenue. Uh, same thing. Uh, they can find us on Facebook. They can also walk in that office anytime for an assessment. If they just want to see what services we have to offer, um, maybe they're thinking about treatment, um, uh, again, just, just come in. Um, somebody will sit down, talk with them, and, uh, and just kind of see where they're at in, in, in their process of, uh, of recovery and, and, uh, and what they want to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you, and I want to thank uh, all of you for uh, participating in this panel with us tonight. And uh, also thank you to our audience who have tuned in. You will be able to view this presentation, uh, again, online for free on our YouTube page, our YouTube channel, and we also will be posting it on WRFALP.com, and it will re-air on our Community Matters program. On behalf of WRFA, the rush Center for the Arts team, and Cranky Plate Productions team, thank you for being with us tonight. Thanks for tuning into Community Matters this week. I'm Julia Cieslaw-Hanley for WRFA.